0: If you have your Bibles tonight, you're going to find yourself in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be picking up in verse number 5, going through verse number 7. But the, uh, of course, the, the remainder of uh, this chapter is the end of the letter that Peter has uh, uh, been writing. Uh, he's closing it out now. Last week we looked at that he's giving uh, encouragement. He's saying these are the characteristics of what a shepherd, a a bishop, the overseer uh, of the flock is to be. Now, we also see that Paul, uh, in his letters to Timothy, gives the qualification. Peter gives the characteristics. Okay, And so uh, we uh, have looked at that and now we're coming... Uh, he's uh, addressed the leadership. Now he's going to be talking to the rest of the congregation. Okay. Now, there are three things that we're going to see in these verses 5 through 14, but we're only going to cover to verse number 7 because of time's sake. I was reminded uh, by my uh, daughter uh, last uh, Wednesday that you didn't even start to look at your watch till it was 8 o'clock. And I said, well, what are you, what are you trying to say? And she said, you can be long-winded sometimes. I said, well, I said, I don't like your driving, so how about that? So. Hey, right. hey I, ain't, I ain't taking that mess off her. She's working a water tonight. I can go ahead and throw her on the bus real quick. <laughs> well, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. I know I talk about my grandkids too much, but I'm still going to talk about them. Ezekiel. Ezekiel goes to Cubby's tonight. He's really excited. But the other day, uh, and I have a uh, a necklace. Uh, A necklace is a cross. And my mom and dad gave that to me when I uh, uh, went uh, to uh, Bible school. And I've had it uh, uh, ever since. But anyway, I had it. And and he's uh, he's looking at it. He's playing with it. And I said, what is that, Ezekiel? And he says, waltz. That's a cross, but uh, walls. I said, yeah, it's cross. I said, now who was on that cross? He says, Jesus. And I said, that's right. Jesus was on the cross. I said, do you know what Jesus did on the cross? And he kind of looks at me. And I said, he died for our sins. And he looks at me and he says, Papa, that was very nice of him. <laughs> I said, son, what do you want? I'll give you it. Uh, hey, I want you to know I'm glad that my grandchildren can come to the church where they, even when they're little bitty, they hear the Word of God, aren't yeah. you? So, okay, so three things. First of all, we're going to see as he's talking to the congregation, he's, he's talking about submission once again. Notice uh, Peter talks quite a bit about Submission. Uh, we see in uh, chapter 2 of uh, this uh, letter in uh, verses uh, 13 through 17 he talks about submission of, uh, of us to uh, those that are over us in authority or elected officials if you will. And then in verses 18 through 25 he talks about submission of the slave to the master. Then he goes into chapter 3 in verses 1 through 7 and he talks about wives being submissive to their husbands. And so now as he's closing this this letter Uh, First of all, he talks to the the, the leadership of the church. Now he's talking to the church and he's talking about submission. Three things that we're going to see in the last part of this letter. First of all, tonight we're going to look at if we're going to uh, get ready and to be ready because this is exactly what Peter's talking about here. Remember, he's talking about fiery trials that are going to come their way. He's talking about, and they've already experienced About persecution, about suffering. And he says, and he's writing this letter for encouragement. He says, Now, this is how you need to be prepared. And it's a word for us tonight. We are living in the latter days. Would you you say amen to that? We are getting closer and closer to the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we need to be prepared. We need to be ready for that. We don't need to be caught off guard. We need to be alert. We need to be determined that the days that we have left, I'm going to do everything we can. And we corporately need to say, we're going to do everything we can to get the... gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Why? Because time's running out. It's running out. And so not only does he talk about that, first of all, you've got to be humbled. That's what we're looking at tonight. But he also says that we need to be watchful. And the last thing that he does is he closes the letter is, we need to be hopeful. I don't know about you, but we're living in a day where people are looking for some kind of hope. I mean, uh, our, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, they're at odds there. We're more divided now than we ever have been. We look around and we see... Uh, and I just saw an article, I haven't read it all. Chris brought it to me about uh, a man there in uh, uh, China where he'd been saving his money uh, for a long period of time to build a church. He wanted to build a church. And he builds this church... And the government officials came in and and, uh, basically gutted the place out Uh, I'm telling you, we're seeing persecution like we've never seen it before. We're seeing they've driven out the believers out of Egypt and Sudan and uh, Syria and Lebanon and I'm telling you as we're getting closer to the end, we're going to see more persecution and more suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I believe we're going to see some of that because it could be that the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you a test here. I'm going to see who the real deal is. I'm going to see what's really genuine and I'm going to see who are playing the game. And so here, he says we need to be humbled. Now, I looked at that and I came across a couple little quotes. First quote I came across is the best protection from the devil and his schemes is to have a humbled heart. The best protection for you and me to withstand the attacks of Satan upon us is that we have to have a humbled heart. But then I also saw this quote, and the quote says that the only hope, the only hope of seeing a decrease of self is to see an increase of Christ. Would you agree with that? And so here we're going to see something about humility. Now, notice how he, in verse number 5, he talks to the younger. He says, now, the younger need to submit to the older. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, the younger need to submit to the older out of respect. Out of respect of their age. But also, the younger should submit to the older, not only out of respect, but also with the understanding that they have matured in their faith. They, they have gone through the trials. They, they've, they've gone through the experiences. And so there, there should be a respect. But notice, he's not saying that the younger are to come and to take everything over and try to keep the older ones and kick them to the curb. And the olders shouldn't overwhelm the younger. There should be a, a, a joint um, sense of submission to one another. Now one of the things that we're hearing about in churches is that, okay, we got we, okay, we got the younger group here. we got to kind of appeal to them, but yet we got the older ones here. And, and so uh, there's, they're coming up with all kinds of things. Some of them are going to two services. Some will say, okay, here's how we're going to handle this. We'll go ahead and do an early service and we'll we'll reach the contemporary crowd or the younger crowd. And then we'll go to the later service and have the more traditional. And that's where our older ones go. Well, I understand uh, there's times when you need to have uh, multiple services and have nothing against that. But the reason why that you're having multiple services is not out of convenience. It's because you're out of room room okay now how do we do okay and so we got all kinds of ways i think well here i just wrote two things down here's how you can solve the generation gap that we see in our churches first and foremost everyone submit to god Everyone submit to God. And so if everyone's submitting to God, it's a whole lot easier for us to submit to one another. That's how you solve this. Uh, it it, it amazes to me I know I'm getting old and I'm old school my my kids remind me of this quite often but I'm telling you I don't think we have to come up with new schemes and and, and new ways I think if you just preach the word of God and you love people and everyone's under submission and they're there to submit to God and to worship God and to praise God and to glorify God all this other stuff that we really get worked over will solve itself. Submission. I'm submitting to you and you submit to me. But the first thing that we have to do is submit to Him. And that's where our problem lies. That's where the problem lies. If we all just got right with God, we get right with one another. And so he goes on and he says that when we're submitting, we are now becoming uh, and having a servant attitude. And we've lost sight of that in our society today. Society today is, is about what I want and what you can do for me. And sad to say that's crept in many of our churches Many are looking and I have no problems with them saying, well, what do you have you? Because I have some teenagers at home. Or uh, what do you have for children? Because I have some children at home. Or I'm a senior adult. What do you have a senior adult? I have no problem with that in and in itself. But the problem is that we're so busy looking for something that's going to cater to us when the purpose for us is to serve others. A servant attitude. And so he says here that we need to be humble. Now, how do we be humble? Uh, In uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, no need to read through all of that. Here's what it is in a nutshell. It talks about having the mind of Christ. What is having the mind of Christ? What does that mean? Well, Philippians 2, 1 through 11 tells us. He says, look to Jesus for your example. Jesus... Humbled Himself. How do we know that? Because He stepped out of the heaven. And He came to live in a sin cursed world. He humbled Himself. He didn't have to do that. He's King Jesus. But He chose to humble Himself And to come, and these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I've come not to be a minister to, but I've come to minister to you. Aren't you glad that we have a Savior who wants to minister to you? And so if we're going to have a mind of Christ, we're going to have to have some humility. We're going to have to come to the understanding that this thing is not about me, but it's all about Him and it's about others. That's what the church should be made up. And if every one of us did that, I'm telling you, it would radically change this community in which we live. Could you imagine coming to a church where everybody's looking for a a ways to serve others? Hey, this, uh, hey, what kind of, what kind of worship style you got? Hey, as long as they're singing about Jesus and as long as he's preaching from the book, I'm good because I'm not here to see what I like and my style of music. I'm here to serve others. It'll change the way we do ministry. And so he goes and it says uh, in, in Proverbs, this is where he gets the quote here, Proverbs 3.34, it says that he give grace to the lowly. He gives grace uh, to the humble. Now, what is humility? Well, first of all, humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. Some people think, well, I'm going to be humbled and you know, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm just a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. and I'm just... That's not what humility is. Humility is not even thinking of yourself. Did you catch that? Now, I don't know about you. Now, I didn't come up with this, but that's pretty good. It's not about how I feel about myself. But it's not me even thinking about myself. That should be a that is a radical change from ways society is operating, and it is a, it will radically change the attitude of the church because we've let the way the world looks at things creep into the church, and so it goes on. He says humility. It's not th- even thinking of yourself. Uh, and then we see that it takes grace. In order for you to be humble to be humbled, you have to exercise grace. Now, I like to what grace, uh, if you are, you know, G-R-A-C-E. What does that mean? God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. See. <clears throat> In order you to be humbled, grace has to be enacted. It has to be activated, if you will. And so if grace is going to be activated, then you're going to have to get rid of pride. Because pride hinders the activation of grace. And if you don't have grace activated, then you're not going to have humility. You've got to get rid of your pride. And that's a hard thing to do, is it not? Of course it is. We're, we're very prideful people. So pride has to die in order for grace to increase. And when grace increases, then we become humbled. And when we become humble, then we become more like Jesus. Isn't what this thing's all about? Us being more like Jesus. And so we're more like Jesus when we've humbled ourselves. Now, how do we do that? We understand that uh, uh, that grace was exercised in our life, and when we grab hope for that, when we really grab hope and embrace it, that, that you know the only reason why I'm here tonight is because of His grace. Many of us can testify that uh, it's amazing grace. We sing it all the time, but it really is amazing grace to think that He would even entertain to have a relationship with me. A sinner, depraved, dirty, nasty but yet because of His wonderful, marvelous grace. And every one of us that's here tonight, if we're saved, we all came the same way. We all came by the way of grace. And so when we embrace that and, 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 and grab hold of that, then we're able to be gracious to others. Amen. Then, then I'm ready to go ahead and take a back seat, if you will. Heard the stories about a, a principal, well-known principal, it was up in uh, up north somewhere. He was in the educational world. He was the man. He was very liked. He was well thought of. Very educated man. And so uh, it was said about him, Mister uh, Mister Gaines, I believe was his name, that uh, he would be on a lot of uh, programs and whatnot. And they said that if there was more than uh, just him, uh, he would always let the other ones that were going to be sitting on the platform with him, he would always let the other ones go first and he would go last. One day there was a a function and he said there was another man. And so he, he wasn't really thinking. And so he started to make his way to the platform and he took the first step. Well, the congregation uh, uh, and the, the crowd there uh, recognized him. And as soon as they thought he was coming up, they started to applaud him. Took him back a little bit. He stepped very graciously. The man that was before, behind him, he just kind of stepped up and he says, And so the man just walked, started to walk, and he started clapping for him. Of course, the rest of the crowd was clapping. The man that had walked in front of him thought they were all clapping for him. Now what does that have to do with anything? It showed an act of humility. That man was well recognized. He could easily not thought about anybody else. He could have gone ahead and fallen in love with himself like everybody else had fallen in love with him, but he understood about humility. And what did he do? He stepped aside and let someone else be in the limelight for just a little while. Wouldn't it be refreshing that we became a congregation that Where we are looking to others and we want to make sure they're getting recognized and we're back there applauding them. Isn't that what we ought to be doing for the why? Because we all came by the way of grace. And so we'll go on and and, and see, he talks about grace and then notice you got to get rid of pride, right? Very quickly now we see that that was the problem with Lucifer. Lucifer became very prideful. Lucifer, for the lack of better words, he was the top angel. He was the angel of all angels. He was a bright morning star. I mean, he was a rock star there in the angelic host. And so what happened is that he started believing all the press clippings he was getting of how great he was, how wonderful he was. And, and so he started to get in that, and he started believing that. And so what did he do? He said, "Well, you know what? You know they're what they these these angels here. I think they're pretty smart angels. They understand that I'm pretty good. They ought to be happy to have somebody like me." And so he started to go ahead and, 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 and embrace that. And so the next thing he does, he says, you know what? I believe I could take the job of God. Lord, I think it's time for you to step aside and for me to step up. God said to him, Oh, well, you think pretty highly of yourself, do you not? He says, well, you know, after all, just listen to the angelic host down here. He says, there's only one God. And I'm not going to relinquish my title for anybody. And he says, because you think you need my job, I'm going to kick you out. That's exactly how many people think. They might not verbalize it, but they think they have arrived. I got a couple of PhDs. I can even quote scripture from memory. I can do this. I can do that. Oh, do you not understand? I've been well recognized. I'm telling you, if there was a position as a pastor in any major mega church, they would probably come looking for me. I'm telling you, I am the cat's meow. Now, we won't verbalize that, but we're thinking in our heart. We're thinking, you know what? I, I really know that sister there, she can sing, but they just hadn't heard me sing. If they just give me an opportunity, I would rock their world. I'll tell you what, I'll bring them to their uh, knees and they'll be crying and they'll be oh, they'll be shouting glory down. I'm telling you, my dear friend, you need to get rid of your prideful attitude and you need to recognize the fact the only reason why you're able to do what you're doing is because the grace of God. God. It's nothing you did. It's nothing I did. And when God gives us a position, it's not because we have arrived. I'm telling you, I have, been, I have been reminded of this for seven months now. I've been reminded that they could have got anybody else to step behind this pulpit. But I don't know why they did. I don't know why I'm here. I'm just grateful to God that He's given me the opportunity to stand and to preach His Word and to love His people. And I recognize the fact, but I'm going to tell you, there's some times when it creeps in. I'm thinking, you know what? I believe I could do this. I might just take this thing full time. And then the Holy Spirit says, what in the world are you thinking? Don't you realize that if you've done anything, it's because of me? That's true for every one of us. See, we got to get rid of our stinking pride, humble ourselves, exercise grace, and look to others instead of ourselves. And that's what Peter's talking about here. Peter says, if you're going to be ready, you're going to be prepared, you've got to be humbled. But then he goes on. He says, not only do we have to be humbled, he says, but submission. Submission has to take place. Submission is an act of faith. You're exercising faith when you submit. What are we submitting to? Notice here. He says, in due time. In due time. What is that talking about? It says here is that God will promote you when He thinks you're ready. Not when you think you're ready. He'll promote you in due time. God promotes. Now, how do we know that? Look at Moses. Moses wandered around in the wilderness before he got promoted for 40 years. Joseph. Joseph, he had to uh, understand and, uh, for 13 years and then God promoted him. See, God is the one that does the promoting. I don't have to sell myself. I don't have to promote myself. I don't have to market myself. God knows exactly where I'm at and God knows exactly when i am be able to step up to the next level if He even chooses to step me up to the next level in due time. Now look at verse number 7 very quickly. He said, now, I find it interesting. He's talking about being humbled. He's talking about being gracious. He's talking about we're not to exalt ourselves. Jesus said it this way. Jesus says that the humble will be exalted. Okay? Verse number 7 talks about cares. Take all of your cares because He careth for you. That word care means anxiety. Somebody here tonight anxious about something? Is somebody here just kind of, you know, in your heart, you're just like, you know, I'm, I really feel like God wants me to do this, and I, I'm just I'm just a little anxious about this. I'm I'm a little anxious about some things I've been praying about. I, I'm a little anxious about, you know, it looks like uh, it's going to be some tro- troubling times here in my life, and, and maybe in tonight, uh, you're having some trouble at the house, and you're a little anxious about all that. Well, here, the Scripture says, you just need to go ahead and give your cares over the one who can care for you the best. But then he goes on, he said, now, what is Peter? Peter understood about this. Peter, remember Peter? Peter saw his mother-in-law be healed. Peter is the one, when they weren't catching anything, then Jesus comes along, and they caught so much, they didn't know what to do with it. Peter witnessed all that. Peter also witnessed uh, that uh, the uh, temple tax that he was needing to come up with, miraculously... It was given to him. We also see that it was Peter who walked on water. Oh, Brother Mike, he also went down. At least he got out of the boat. At least he got out of the boat. And so he's witnessed all these miracles of God. And by the way, it was Peter who was delivered from prison. Now, what does this have to do with that? If you've seen God working like that, can you now understand why you would be humbled? Wow, God did this. And I saw Him do it. I mean, God, God, God if nothing else, if nothing else, the miracle of your conversion ought to make you humbled. Wow, He really did care for me." He- he really saved me. I don't understand why He saved me. But Lord, I'm thankful and I, and I praise You for saving me. And when I come to embrace all that, that He would save me, that He cares for me and He He uh, wants nothing but the best for me. And that He hears my prayer, that ought to bring me to my knees and say, Oh Lord, thank You. Thank You for what You've done in my life. And Lord, here's how I want to repay You. I want to be able to be gracious and I I want to be able to show somebody how the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ changed me. I want to be a part of being able to show somebody and to witness to somebody so they would also experience what I have. But in order to do that, we got to be humbled. We have to humble ourselves and let God take over. I thought about all this. And I had to do a self-examination. I thought I was doing pretty good about this humbling thing. To the other day, I started singing this little song. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humbled when you're perfect in every way. Now, we all got a little chuckle about that. But sometimes that's our attitudes. I know I got a little rough spots to work on, but, you know, compared to Brother Joe Vanderpool over here, I'm doing pretty good. No. We are never to size ourselves up with another brother or sister. I'm not here to reach the standards of Glenn. Glenn's not here to reach the standards of Joe. We're here to reach the standards of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And by the way, every one of us has come short. So what about your attitude? Are you, do, you, do you really believe that you're humbled? Do you really believe that you've got that pride thing taken care of? My dear friend, that's when you better watch out. When you think that you've got it under control, that's when it's going to come up and bite you. We have to daily give ourselves over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to daily submit to His Lordship.